friends, I'm Sabrina, the rookie around here. John and Dick are the old school American fans of F1. Thanks for taking time to listen in on a conversation we had about the 2023 Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. In this race debrief, in addition to our takeaways from the weekend, the guys and I discussed some of the challenges faced by the drivers on this circuit, practically and psychologically. I also enjoyed their comparative analysis of team principles, specifically Otmar and Gunder. Hope you enjoy our conversation. Okay, Saudi Arabia. The Grand Prix, from what I understand, is the fastest street track of the season. It's the second race of the season. And so I'd like to first start actually talking about free practice uh, and then have you talk about that, John. Dick, you feel free to chime in. I'd like to talk about quali because I think there were some interesting things that happened there. And then, of course, I'd like to talk about the Grand Prix itself. So, John, free practice. What did you see and that you remember and is a highlight even days later? Well, Max, in particular, his performance was was even better than normal, I think, because he was he was really under the weather. And despite that, he just was consistently better than than Sergio. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it just points to just how good a competitor he is. And and again, I'd go back and say we're probably in a, a period of time that comes once every 20 years or so where a driver is so exceptional that he just appears to make it look easy no matter what's going on in his head or in his body or around him. And, and so that's uh, something to appreciate, I think, for sure. Um, clearly, Hamilton and Mercedes, things are not going well there. And uh, it's the frustrations that are boiling out in the public are kind of um, alarming, frankly, for the the team because they generally take care of that kind of stuff internally and they don't talk about it outside. But uh, you know, with with uh, Lewis really talking about it outside is really a change for them, and I think it's significant. It's going to be real interesting to see. Uh, in view of the fact that that they're early, early in the season still, they're having these development problems. They've got an upgrade package coming, uh, and it's a contract negotiation year for Lewis. Um, I I just think it's going to be very interesting to watch that and see how it develops. You know, this this is one of those tracks where, even though it is one of the faster tracks on the, the calendar, especially street circuits, the it just always seems to me to to have congestion in in uh, qualifying in particular, and that there's people always unhappy about somebody ruining their lap, and um, that sure seemed to be consistent on this one too. Dick, you want to add in on that, or you want to um, move over towards quali? Well, mine's kind of a blend between the two, actually, between okay. what went on in FP, you know, the free practices versus quality, and it's more common about the the circuit itself um one of the things that i think is really interesting about this track is is that yes it's really really fast it's also incredibly unforgiving mm -hmm. um we saw an awful lot of guys you know spin pick a corner and they spun <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and 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 what's so amazing to me is is that 
these guys, you know, you see them drive through these corners and the cars look just stuck. And then all of a sudden when they break, you know, when they lose track, when they lose their grip, I mean, the car is gone. Yeah. And we always know that they're on an ice, that they're always on that knife edge, right? Between, you know, in control and complete disaster. And I think there's something about that track that shows it more than most circuits do. And I think it's because there's no runoff area. The track is so unforgiving of mistakes. And yet you have to be on it, man, to set a lap. And so uh, I never like to see people wad up a lot of really expensive machinery. But on the other hand, it it sure does make for um, a deep appreciation of just how close these guys are um, to, to the very, very edge of adhesion. And that's really fun to watch. Well, so let me ask you really this question product. on that point mm-hmm. with it being so early in the season and them trying to kind of get back into the groove of racing. How does that affect, mm-hmm. uh, the racing mind, like the, the psychological of it's you're on that edge and you're trying to find that groove and then you make them, especially if you make a mistake or all the pressure mm-hmm. they have about right. destroying the machinery. How do you think that sets them up for the rest of the year as in general? And then even looking at the rookies, how does that, when you're, this is just race two and you know, everything you've been aspiring for, boom, you make that miss. Cause especially mm-hmm. with the people who spun, it was DeVries, Sergeant, Piastri, all three of them were the rookies. I just wondered how yep. are they being set up for success? Would it be better if Saudi Arabia was later in the in the season? Well, I think you have to get past it regardless, mm-hmm. right? The, the the race and the, and what it can do to your mindset, but it can definitely mess with your brain. I mean, we saw it with uh, Mick Schumacher, right? Has that mm-hmm. big wreck, and then two races later he wads it again i mean breaks the car in half at monaco the young man's confidence had to have been taking a real beating um and it didn't help that his team boss was going out in public and criticizing him i mean that never helps anybody you know at the end of the day you know it does point back to my to an earlier argument that i've made which is they just don't have enough in the car testing prior to the season starting I mean, they just don't. And, um, and so a lot of this stuff, I think, again, you know, if, if Saudi was later in the year, I don't think you'd see the kind of mistakes that were being made. And those mm-hmm. mistakes have, those mistakes have higher consequences because the walls are right there ready to bite you. Mm-hmm. Well, John, I think that goes back to an earlier conversation. I don't remember if it was online or offline where you and I were discussing that when you have testing, it develops the driver and the driver is going to be able to drive the team. Those That was one side of the equation. Then you said, you know, in the current era technology, it makes the driver more reliant on the tech and the team and the tech and the team are really going to be driving the driver. And I wonder if that also kind of hamstrings the these rookies in this new era. So that I want to throw that question 
to you and then also let you lead us into the Grand Prix discussion, like any highlights that stick in your mind. Well, when you look at this track, this is not one of my favorite tracks. I don't like all the blind uh, walls that you have to weave through. And and I think we've talked about this before, but you know, if you have an accident at certain points on this track, everybody's going to pile into it just about. And that's, I think it's dangerous from that point of view. So that's that's a kind of a key there. I do think having this race with um, young, inexperienced drivers who haven't either been to this track before or who have limited experience on the track and they're under the pressure to produce and it's the you know early, early in the season and they're trying really, really hard and they have limited testing time and limited time in the car. It just, to me, is a disaster, a recipe for disaster. And I, I, I'm i just not a big fan of this track at this point in the year. And I think Dick's right. Later in the year, if they were up to speed and more familiar with the characteristics of the car this season, probably have a lot less of this stuff. And it's expensive, you know. I I just don't get that. But anyway, moving on to the race, this was a very interesting race. I thought from from uh, several points of view, certainly the fact that qualifying went the way that it did in Q3 for for Max uh, set up a really dynamic situation, which turned into an outstanding race. If you watched Max run, and it it added to the excitement for the fans, I think. But you know, Sergio did everything he needed to do to get the maximum he could. There was just no way uh, Max was going to catch him, but he did catch everybody else, which really was a statement uh, of strength that Max put on the whole field, including Sergio, because if he'd have started any higher behind Sergio, he'd have taken him. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Alonzo, man, this was this was the guy. I can't remember. Did he get driver of the day for the race? He was just amazing, I thought. And he really, really drove a great race and he did maximum available possibility for the race P3. Uh, really a great, great drive on his part. That was a highlight to me. I thought that, you know, he got a penalty for uh, violating the grid box. I get that. And that is correct. He should have gotten a penalty for that. Uh, it's unfortunate, but he knows the rules. He's experienced enough and Although it's it's millimeters or inches, it it's it makes a difference and it's part of the rules. So fair enough on that. The the penalty that he got in the pits, where the mechanic was uh, judged to be touching his car, I thought that was a bad call at the time, and I was really really glad that the FIA reviewed it on on review they decided that that was not an advantage and that because the the guy just had the jack stuck you know touched to the car mm-hmm. and there was nothing gained at all no way you could consider that gained and so i think they made the right decision on pulling that penalty back and restoring his position to him you know notably oh you know i think magnuson and and hulkenberg <laughs> Have an interesting relationship, and that uh, that that's going to be an interesting uh, to see if they can keep it together, and if Steiner can keep them uh, off each other's backs. But they had a you know they had a good race, and they kept it clean, which is important. And as long as they do that, I don't think Steiner will have too much problem. Uh, those were the major things I saw with the race. Dick, you want to give your perspective? Yeah, I'm always interested in seeing how Magnuson and Hulkenberg get along with one another. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit like a little bit like Ocon and Gasly, you know. I mean, none of those guys like each other, but when they hate each other, how's that? 
how are you going to get anything done? You know? And so anyway, I guess that's my bigger question, but okay. I'm, you know, that's why I'm here and I'm not, not a team principal, but um, <laughs> historically those kind of relationships just don't work, whether it's in business or sport or whatever, you know, I mean, sometimes it does, but most of the time mm, it's a recipe for disaster. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the season really for both teams. Well, that's interesting that you had brought up the team principal distinction, because it seems like if anybody's going to be able to manage a controversy or, or hatred between two drivers, in my opinion, uh, Gunter seems like he's the guy you don't want to mess with. But Omar seems to be like this nice guy and almost too diplomatic. But who knows? Maybe I'm totally misjudging these guys. You know them. You've observed them longer than I have. Mm, interesting. Um, I don't think any of those guys got to that position by being nice guys. Uh Um, I think controlling emotions, being adept at controlling emotions is probably more like it. Um, Uh at least in Otmar's case, I think Mm -hmm. he's just better at that. Whereas, you know, uh, Gunther is, he's a pretty emotional guy. And, uh, so (laughs) I'm thinking, that's probably what we're seeing. Um, That's a good distinction. I hadn't thought of it like that, that both of them are strong and have that capacity. Otherwise they wouldn't have ascended to that level and that placement, but the way they're expressing it or the maturity of how they control their emotions and, or even how they've been enabled to behave that way. Maybe it's part of the culture at Haas that has allowed Gunter to be much more emotional and everyone just well, kind of knows it. Well, yeah. And, and something else too, <laughs> you know, let's not, let's not discount the whole drive to survive thing for a second because mm-hmm. Gunther has become kind of a pop culture kind of star because mm-hmm. he's so off the charts. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so I think there's a certain amount of that that's hyperbole on his part just because he knows it's good ink, you know, and probably Haas loves it because, you know, they're a midfield team. Well, how do we, you know, how do we get more, um, more airtime for our sponsors? Well, let's let Gunther be crazy. You know, (laughs) I mean, if you can't run it, right. If you can't run up front, then you got to come up with something else. What's my shtick? Okay. Well, we're going to have a team principal. that's kind of nuts. So, you know, now having said that, I'd love to sit down and have dinner with Gunther. That would be absolutely <laughs> a blast. I'd love it. But, you know, anyway, that's kind of what I'm thinking. That's great. I love it. Okay. Final thought on the Grand Prix race itself. Gentlemen, either one? Really great. Well, I, I, from from uh, Max and, and. From Max, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's impressive. what we're going to say all season long, unless something changes. Really great race from Max. Really, maybe in some <laughs> instances. Really great race from Sergio. We'll see. It's still early. We'll see. Thanks for a great conversation, yep. guys. that ends this conversation but rest assured we'll keep talking and you can keep listening in because we're just two guys a girl and f1 for john dick and me thanks for listening